Okay, let's pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you uh, for your word. We thank you for this time that we can uh, just to gather and to worship you, to celebrate um, what you're doing um, just in our midst. We thank you uh, for the guest family who is serving uh, so faithfully in Romania. Uh, Lord, to see uh, those group of, that group of believers over there um, doing all that they can do to help uh, with uh, really thousands of people who have been um, sort of kicked out of their home, that they've had to flee their country uh, with really not a whole lot um, to, to bring with them, not a whole lot of answers. And just to see you moving, Lord, through this network of people over there uh, was humbling to see and to observe. And so today, Lord, as we uh, take a break from Genesis and just sort of hear about uh, the trip uh, to Romania, I pray, Father, that you would lead us and guide us and help us uh, to see, Lord, uh, what you're doing around the world. And Lord, help us um, to desire to be a part of what you're doing Uh, not only here in Valley Center, but around the world, uh, that we would lay our lives before you and and simply say, Lord, here am I, use me however that you see fit. And Lord, we are just deeply uh, grateful uh, for this opportunity to to worship you and to give you thanks. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right, so at the end of Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16, it's what we know as the Great Commission. And we read, but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And Father, we do thank you uh, for this commission that you have tasked your church with. We are grateful, Lord, that we are able to participate with you in what you're doing around the world. We ask, Lord, that you would lead us today. And it's in Christ's good name, I pray. Amen. All right, so, uh, t- so today's a different day, obviously. We're going to talk about Romania and, and what happened over this last uh, week while I was away with, with, the, uh, with the guest family. And putting together like a, a sermon like today is very difficult for me just in that I'm used to just kind of teaching from the text. And I, I don't want to just sort of have a PowerPoint presentation sort of like, oh, this is, this, these are pictures from Romania. I want us to sort of... Uh, capture and to understand like spiritually what was behind this trip. It wasn't just a trip to Romania. There was a, a, a spiritual uh, a purpose behind this that when we get to the pictures, there's a whole bunch of them. Robert's like, you got 57 slides? I'm like, yeah, there's 57 slides. And I cut out a whole bunch. Um, and so I wanted to just begin by reading a couple uh, scriptures to kind of set the stage for my heart and why I went and, and, and sort of the bigger picture. So the bigger picture is the Great Commission that we, we just read. It's, it's, it's known of it as a Great Commission. It's one of the last things that Je- Jesus said to the disciples as he ascended into heaven uh, in the commission to go and, make commis- go and make disciples. That's sort of the verb, to make disciples. And there's a whole bunch of things connecting to this disciple-making process. And so... This is important to Jesus. This is what he's commissioned to the church to do, that that he has made his believers, his ambassadors around the world. He's a God of all peoples, all nations, and the church bears this responsibility uh, to carry out this this global mission. And so this really explains the heart behind the, like, why do we care about Romania? Why do we care about our missionaries overseas um, is is the Great Commission. The next passage that I wanted to read is 3 John. So it's in the very end of the Bible, or you can just follow along with me. In 3 John, it's one chapter, and there's three verses there, and it reads, Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers, for they have testified of your love before the church. 
you will do well to send them on on their way in a manner worthy of God, for they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. And so here the Apostle John is talking to the church, and there are missionaries that are kind of rolling through the church. They're welcoming them into their homes. They're taking care of them as they send them out to continue their work. They're, they're, they're helping them financially. Um, they're partnering with them in, so that they can do the work that they have been, been called to. And this passage, along with so many other verses in the New Testament, I really love that the New Testament with the church, it's not so much about like, I go to this church, you go to that church, that there's, there's depth in the relationship and the partnership of what they're doing, that, that there's different uh, callings for each individual, but that they're connected with one another in a real meaningful way. And so for us, um, our missionaries, I view them as a pastor. I view them like they're a part of our church, but they're just sort of around the world. And, and so the, hearing from the guest family this last week, they really do view us as their, their home church. It's their, their sending church is Shadow Mountain. Shadow Mountain is a huge church. They, they support them financially in big ways month to month, which you need. But relationally, they view us as their home church, as the one who are there to, to really shepherd and care for them on a relational level. Um, and so in this passage, it's sort of like I always, it's kind of funny that, that God's sort of in his pyramid scheme somehow. I don't know how it works out. But what John tells them, as they partner with these people that are going, they then become a part of the ministry. It says that you may be fellow workers with the truth. And so somehow in God's economy, that the missionaries that we're connected with financially, emotionally, that we care for, the work that's happening in Romania, somehow in God's sort of uh, uh, reconciliation book, we get credit for participating with the work that they're doing there. And I will assure you that after spending time with Chris and them, that, that they need the support back home in order to do what they're called to do over there. And then finally, Second uh, Corinthians Chapter 7, verses 5 through 7. So Second Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 through 7. In this passage we read, For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts on the outside, fears on the inside. But God who comforts the discouraged comforted us by the arrival of Titus, and not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort with which... He was comforted among you as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. And so I bring this passage up too because to be overseas, it's a lonely place. The ministry can be a discouraging place. And, and so for us to be able to go there, to spend time with them, to encourage them is a big deal. Like the statistics, they say something like 80% of pastors fall out of the ministry within five years of graduation of seminary because of uh, discouragement and frustration that they face in the ministry. Um, and then they say something like 70% of people in, in vocational ministry uh, deal with real serious like discouragement and depression just in the things that they're, they're dealing with. And so <clears throat> Chris and them have been going through a lot. I think it was four weeks ago today that I just felt like that I was supposed to go and see them. And so getting over there to spend time with them, to encourage them, um, like, I think we went and we accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. And so, uh, Joshua, can you kill the lights You're right there? And instead of me telling what a wonderful job that we did for them, they want to say something. So you can turn off the overhead ones too, please. And then we have a little video from Chris and Mihaila. Hey, Grace Point Church. We wanted to send you a quick message to say thank you for sending Gunner. Rick and Micah to come to Romania to visit us and see uh, the ministry that we're involved in, as well as the recent refugee ministry that we've been begun. Our hearts have been so joyful to uh, to have them in our home and in our lives, and to be able to show them uh, the ministry of our beauty. And uh, it completely brought a wave of freshness from San Diego which we actually needed in the tiring uh, season of uh, ministry right now that it's just, you know, hard news and um, we, we 
an amazing help in the kitchen and I have to say that I will hire him many times as a cook. <laughs> and I wanted to say thank you for your faithful support in our ministry and just your prayer and uh, continued prayers for us and the family and the love you show us. Uh, thank you so much. We look forward to the day we're back in the States and visit with you. But until then, this video hopefully will uh, be an encouragement to you as you were an encouragement to us. Thanks and God bless. Thank you. Okay, well, we can just keep the lights off. We'll just kind of nap time. You guys can stay awake. But my philosophy is only to speak to the people who are awake. So it's, even if you're taking a nap, it's okay. I'll try not to bother you. Um, okay, so we can go to the next slide here. Um, okay, so this is our group. I, I realized right from the beginning I got to explain something because two weeks ago we prayed for, our, for me and Rick. Uh, Rick, who's in the hospital right now with his chest pains, and you guys know me. It's like, who's this hunk in between us? Um, that's a good question, because like two weeks ago, I didn't know either. And so but it turns out two weeks ago was Mother's Day, and Micah was here with, for church with his mom. And uh, Doug says, hey, can I give this kid, I, I, kid, I call him, he's 23, but I call, he's a kid to me. And he's like, hey, can, can, I, can I give him your number? And I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. Then in the afternoon, I get this text on Mother's Day and saying, hey, I know it's last minute, but I have a passport. And could I go with you to Romania? And I was like, uh, dude, I leave on Tuesday. That's like two days away. And he's like, I know it's last minute, but I don't, you know, we'll see. So I call around quickly to do as much as like background investigation as I can on him. There's like no red flags that I can see. And I'm like, are you still at your mom's house? And he's like, well, no, I turn around. I'm like, well, get over there. And so I go to the mom's house or the, and the mom and dad's house. Uh, but when your little boy's going to Romania, it's like feels like mom's more like dad was like, I thought you were gonna say no. And I'm like, Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. And I was like, Hey man, I gotta like just we just gotta get some some logistical things out of the way. I'm like, you are in my worst demographic. I have zero patience for guys between like eighteen and twenty-four <laughs> because of my time as a SEAL instructor. And so I'm I'm not like I'm like, when you say you want to go and you want to serve, he's like, I'll do anything. I'm like, that means you like are doing the dishes every single day. He's like, I'm cool with that, whatever. I'm like, okay. He's like, anything you want. I'll sleep on the floor, I'll do whatever. And I'm like, all right, I hate to say this, but I guess you're on. Let's buy the tickets, you know? And the dad's like, I thought you were going to say no. I'm like, yeah, I know, me too, but I don't want to stop. So his name is Micah, but by like the third day, we changed his name. For those of you that know Emperor's New Groove, uh, he became Kronk to us. <laughs> So we were on a road trip. They were in Ukraine, which I'll get to the story in Ukraine in a little bit. Uh, from here to the end, I'm, I'm very unscripted. It's just whatever comes out. We get back from the road trip, me, Chris, and the kids. And it's kind of late. And then Chris is like, okay, guys, you got to clean out the car. And I'm like, can't we just wait till Micah gets home? Can't he do it? And then we, suddenly he picked up the name Kronk, because in the movie Emperor's New Groove, there was Kronk, who was like the assistant. And so I think it fits for him. He became Kronk. He was a blessing to have around. So he, we, we left on two different tracks. They went their way. I went my way. Next slide. We'll see what's coming here. This is the arrival in the airport in Bucharest. Um, I'm going to comment at this point. I am not a photographer. I didn't care about the quality of my pictures. A lot of them were just really quick uh, selfie shots or snapshots not to, to ruin from the moment. And so when we got to Romania, we had to wait around a little bit. And then they got there, and so obviously this is uh, right here is Brianna, and this is Abby, and that's Chris in the background. We were just like, I'm going to get kind of emotional, um, but it was just really good to see them and to give them hugs and, and to be there. So th they were our ministry. Obviously, there's CJ and Mihi um, uh, that, that were also there, but our ministry was really to, to bless them and to be there for them, to encourage them which meant that we didn't do a lot of traditional Romanian things. So anything that was like an excuse to take the kids out for a treat, um, that's what we did. Uh, next slide, please. And so this is outside of the airport. Um, so we left Tuesday morning around 4 a.m., and then this is Wednesday, like 4 p.m. In, in Romania or so. Uh, they have the, the two cars, only the, the two cars are in the background, and then that's the whole gang arriving into uh, Bucharest here. Next slide. <clears throat> this is ministry slot number one. Super jet lagged. Where the kids wanted to go was the Hard Rock, Hard Rock Cafe. 
And so we rocked it out at the Hard Rock Cafe, jet-lagged on little sleep. Again, I took a picture without telling anybody. I'm just like, hey, I'm doing it, uh, just to document the event. And so extremely jet-lagged. This whole this dinner is kind of a blur, uh, but, we, but this was a lot of, sort of our time was a lot of eating, and I spared you guys a lot of the food pictures. Uh, but next slide. Okay, then that night, we, all of the supplies that we brought, they all made it there. There was no, there was no real issues uh, going through customs, and so we just kind of went through and, and sorted out everything that they had. It was a really fun event. Uh, next slide. The kids got their stuff. Uh, CJ, I think my family, they got them some Lego socks or Lego. Top Ramen Socks. See, I was really jet-lagged. So t- <laughs> Top Ramen Socks. He was really jazzed about the, the, the Top Ramen Socks. We went through um, all of the gifts and everything. Uh, Brianna had a bunch, but then her birthday was on Monday, so I'm like, sorry, Bri, you can't open any of your gifts. You're just going to have to wait. And so she was just watching the show. Uh, next slide here. Um, okay, so this picture kind of incorporates, and, and uh, Kronk is right there. He's in the, you know, he's, you know, it's <laughs> like the, uh, so he, he held true to the lecture of like, hey man, you're here to serve and just like, just don't get in our way and don't cause any problems and we'll be all okay. But we woke up in the morning uh, to him and CJ. I think that God called him to go uh, to be a friend of CJ. They were always like skateboarding, doing stuff, just really having a blast. This is them making breakfast for us. And so when I was uh, trying to figure out the, the coffee machine to get my coffee, I looked over and there they were just making breakfast. And, and so not the best picture, but I think a lot of the trip, this is what Micah was doing, was spending time with CJ and just uh, ministering to him. And, and, and ministering to him, it makes it sound a little bit more fancy. I mean, it was really just being a friend to him and, and laughing and, and having a good time. And here they were making everybody breakfast. It was a pretty good breakfast. Okay, next slide. Um, uh, Mihi back here wanted to give us a... A, a traditional Romanian meal, and so this is like the next day. I don't know what day it was, but it's the next. It was like the next day, I think, um, that she uh, really spent the whole morning preparing this meal for us to enjoy. That was just a, a traditional Romanian meal. If we can go to the next next slide, I think we zoom up in on it. So this is a schnitzel right here, uh, mashed potatoes, uh, pork chops, some cabbage. And uh, this was stuffing. It was like the best stuffing I've ever had in my life. It was like heavy on the garlic. It felt like Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving meal. But I guess this is just a, a real hearty, traditional Romanian meal. And it was probably the only traditional meal we had while we were there. Um, okay, next slide. What's coming here? Okay, so on Thursday night, Chris had said that uh, with his leadership team in the church, um, they had gone on a retreat, and he'd saved some funds to take us out to dinner because he wanted me to go out and to spend time uh, uh, with um, with the the team just to get to know um, those that that were leaders in the church. Uh, this is at the restaurant there, and it's just a selfie with me and Bree. Um, two two significant things happened at this meal. Well, one significant, one funny. Um, the funny thing was, is what I do like about Romanian food is at the meal, every, every plate came with like a big old serrano pepper that I could eat. And at, at some point, there was like the kids' side of the table where Kronk was, and then there were like the adults were on the other side. <clears throat> all of a sudden, we hear like laughter from all the kids, and it's like, what's going on? They're like, Kronk ate a jalapeno and he's dying. And it's like, What? <laughs> And thankfully, overseas, a lot of the bathrooms, they're like, you can see the sinks, and you don't like have privacy where the sinks are, and we just see him in the sink throwing water in his face, and, and uh, so he ministered to the kids by eating something spicy. He ministered to me, like, you know, that, that goes a long way in my book, uh, eating spicy stuff. And then at this dinner, so this was Thursday afternoon, and they were talking about this caravan that was happening the next day. So the next, the next day... A caravan was going to be leaving from Bucharest to um, to Ukraine, and 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 so then the offer was sort of put on the table to go. And I'm like, listen, I'm only here for six days. My ministry is to the family. 
it's not worth me losing two days to, to lose time with, with uh, the kids and with Chris and with Mihi. And Micah's like, yeah, I, like, I really think I'm supposed to go. And I'm like, okay. Like, and he's like, I don't think I want to tell my mom. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, they made it clear you were an adult going, so I'm, you know, like, I think you're safe. Like, I don't, and, and I was trying to make a case for them being safe, and Christy, the pastor, is like, well, you know, we can't. And I'm like, he's like, we don't know that it's safe. He's like, there has been some missiles that were dropped nearby, and I'm like, it's safe. Like, just, I'm trying to build a case here. Like, don't ruin my case, Christy. And so, and then as Micah decided to go, the word got over to Rick, and Rick's like, I think I'm supposed to go. And I'm like, listen, I'm not your guys' moms. So, like, I support you going. I think it's safe. I think it would be meaningful. Just because I'm not going, I, I'm here for a, sort of a different reason. And so at this restaurant, they decided to go the next day. Um, so that's kind of what I remember from this restaurant. Uh, next slide. I think we're going to, okay. All right, this is a terrible selfie. Um, <clears throat> we're not in chronological order, but this, this night was, was significant. Um, so this was Sunday night, their time. Chris and them had to go uh, to take their dog to the vet. And it's like, I'm like on no sleep, like a zero sleep. And Anna had texted me and said, Carol Ullman, wherever she is, so she's, there she is back by the air conditioning. Um, she said, Carol came to church and, and David Jeremiah had talked about Abby in the morning. And, and she thought it was really significant that she saw Dr. J uh, in the morning and that I knew that Gunnar was like in, in Romania with them right at the moment. And so I'm like, hey, let's, it's like bedtime, so I'm like, hey, let's take a quick selfie and send it to Carol. And it ended up being a really special night because Carol had questions about the timing of her surgeries and that sort of thing. So, um, so Abby and I just kind of sat and chatted that night, and it was like um, just a really just a neat time. Uh, uh, sorry, it's, so she was born with no heart valves. She's had a number of surgeries. And during a number of the surgeries, um, her dad, like going into them, said, Gunnar, I'm not going to be able to deal with this afterwards, but I need to know that you're okay doing her funeral if it comes to that. And so like having to like emotionally brace for that to be there with her that night, and she kind of made us feel really old. I'm like, well, yeah, I remember when you were like born, like we were in seminary and and then I started doing the math. I'm like, well, how old are you? And she's like, well, I'm 13. She's like, when were you born? And she's like, I was born in 2008. I'm like, Huh, you weren't around when we were in seminary then, because that was back in 2002. And, and so I'm like, I was already in Valley Center. So, so we just really just had a really sweet time uh, talking about her health and the things that she's gone through and, and just seeing her grow up. You know, Brianna was here last summer. Brianna's height didn't change, but the other two, like they both shot up to her. And so this was just a really special night, really meaningful night um, to, to talk with her. Then uh, the night before, why I was so tired, so this is, the guys were back from Ukraine, but the night before, when they were still gone, or maybe two nights, like whatever, they were gone in Ukraine, and Chris had gone to bed, and everybody was in bed, and uh, me, he was like, I just need, I need to talk to you, Gunnar, and so we, we, she kept me up to like two in the morning, um, just kind of sharing what God's been doing in her life, and healing her through a lot of the trauma that she's been through. Uh, she personally has experienced all kind of uh, trauma in her life uh, growing up as a child in Romania. Um, she lived under communism, and th- there was a lot of trauma connected to that. And then when Ukraine started to get invaded by Russia, it triggered a whole bunch of things to her because she said, I remember as a little girl, my grandmother talking about during World War I, uh, when when the Germans came through, the horrific things that happened, and then the, the Russians came through and a bunch of horrific things happened to them. And so it's caused uh, sort of a generational sort of uh, trauma for them and just living through that. And so I, I stayed up real late talking to her, and um, I'm still getting caught up on my sleep. When we go to the next slide, we got 57 of these to go through. Uh, this is the road trip. This was the most horrific thing to go through. The driving in Romania was definitely, I've driven all over the world, I was not a happy camper driving on the road trip. Um, so this day is a day that uh, the guys took off for Ukraine, and then we took off sort of going north to Dracula's castle. Uh, it's what the kids wanted to do. 
And so me, he stayed home, Chris and I and the kids, we went up to Dracula's castle. And, uh, and so we just had a great day on the road trip. I mean, it's just like a fun road trip with the kids, nothing really significant other than I survived. Um, I made the mistake midway through of converting uh, kilometers per hour to miles per hour. And uh, like, I think that the Autobahn would have been a better place to be uh, for me because it would have been slower. Um, okay, next slide. Um, this is one of the, ca- this isn't Dracula's castle. I don't know if I included it. This was just some castle that we went to. You can see there's Bree right there. There's CJ and there's Abby. So we went up to this place. I don't know. I'm not really well read and I don't really, like I could care less about castles and stuff like that, but I was like the kids. So we went and we got ice cream and uh, just enjoyed the afternoon there. And then the next stop was Dracula's castle. Um, no, no, you can go. You can go ahead. Um, this is the following day. Um, so my, my philosophy uh, with the kids was, was to be like a grandmother. And, and in, our, in our family, what grandmother, what that means is you just don't say no. Like, they want to play a game, you say yes. They want to play the game again, you say yes. You want to play the game again, you say yes, yes, yes. And I was, like, exhausted. So they got pizza. This is another missionary kid, Caleb, that uh, I think he was doing something. He stopped by, and so we ended up having pizza with him. It was like me and the kids uh, eating pizza and playing games. The next slide, I think, is the game night. Um, So we said, what is the name of this game? It's like pig, goat, cheese, taco, goat. I, I, yeah. My hand was like broken because there's like a slapping situation, and so... I was really trying to find a way out of the game, but they kept saying, can we play it again? And Grandma would say yes. And so Gunnar said yes. And so then I finally talked him into a different game, Exploding Kittens, where your hands, <laughs> where your hands don't get beat up. And so, uh, so this is how I spent most of that night while the guys were um, in Ukraine, just playing games with the kids. It doesn't look significant, but it was super meaningful and super significant for all of us just to, to spend that sort of time together. Uh, next slide. And this is Brianna's birthday. So again, <laughs> San Diegans don't go to Romania for Mexican food. Um, but Brianna had heard about this new taco shop in Bucharest. Her dad had been there had been there, and so she's like, for my birthday, it's all I want. And it's like, okay, we'll go get uh, talk, you know, street tacos in Bucharest. So this is her birthday. They made us put on sombreros, and uh, I don't know how Kronk got out of the sombrero, but he, got, he went with the Indiana Jones uh, situation. Uh, so this is at the taco shop. Next slide. I think we're getting into her birthday dessert there. Uh, next slide, I think, is her birthday cake in the evening. It was like a lot of birthday events, so that's at their house with the birthday cake. Uh, next slide. Okay, uh, this is earlier in the day. This is me being grandma still. Chris was so mad at me um, because this was our second mall. They were like, so we went to the one mall, we went all the way around the one mall, and then there was something that I wanted to get for Brianna at the first mall, but the shop didn't have it in the right size, but they're like, the mall across town has that. He's like, well, can't we just order it online? They're like, yeah, you can order it online. I'm like, I need, I, I, no. Grandma would say, let's go to the other mall. <laughs> and so this is walking into the mall, and, and I'm like, let me get a picture. And Chris is like, oh, I'll pose for your picture. So this is a dad that did not want to go to the second mall. And then he was even more ticked off because he's like, well, I'll just go to Starbucks. But Starbucks was under repair. And so he had to tool around with us. So the two teenage girls were very happy with grandma, i.e. myself. Uh, as we were walking into this mall, it was, uh, he said, oh, this mall uh, is... This mall was actually like a food distribution center under communism. And so there was a lot about Romania that I, I, didn't, I didn't really know. And, and so in trying to piece together the timeline of when all of this happened, um, the dictator, whoever he was, you know, I didn't take notes. And I, you know, but, but I'm like, well, when was that? And when did he not become? And he said, well, he and his wife were executed in 1989, and so this is still very, like, near history. Um, I didn't include a picture in the slideshow, but my neighbor is from Romania, 
And she'd asked, I said, hey, I'm going there. Do you want me to bring anything back for you? And she said, oh, yeah, can you bring back some, some plum brandy and pretzels? And through this, it turns out it was like it was prison hooch. It was like homemade whiskey or something. I, like, customs didn't stop me, and so I was able to be a good neighbor uh, by transporting this stuff. But in, in getting the stuff from her friend, um, she had said, what's the number that I can call to give to my friend to, um, so that we can coordinate? And I said, well, here's my friend Mihi. Um, have, have him call her because she'll, all I'll be able to tell you is that I'm in Bucharest, and that's not really helpful for like an exchange. Um, and so that was on Sunday. And so when Mihi got to church on Sunday, she's like, the guy called me, but he's clearly an old guy and clearly of like the communist era thinking. He didn't want to talk to me because I'm a woman. He only wanted to talk to you. And I'm like, what, how am I going to help? I, don't, I just know we're in Bucharest. How's, how, like, how am I going to give the guy instructions? And she's like, this is just, this is how it is here. This older generation, and she's like, really for Romania to, to heal and to move forward. But my generation has to die first because we still bear the scars of communism. And she's 45. And so she's like, once, once my generation dies, the next generation will be able to she was optimistic that, that healing from communism would happen in the next generation or two. Um, but so seeing this all came because this, this mall, um, I walk in, it just looks like a mall. The Romanians that are a little bit older, they walk in, and this is, this is the food distribution center where they couldn't get food uh, when they were younger. Okay, next slide. Okay, so re- it took us about, I don't know, 20 minutes before we realized that Rick and Chris had a similar vibe, um, that they, like, he's kind of like the mini version of Chris, but they kind of dressed the same. They had sort of similar mannerisms, and he's like, yeah, my wife keeps telling me I need to upgrade my glasses to look like yours, so I'm going to have to come back, and we'll really do, like, the picture. So there's nothing significant to this picture other than we thought it was funny that they look alike. Uh, Next slide. (laughs) Okay, so that was family time. There was uh, most of my encounter was spending time with the family, um, just laughing with them, uh, letting them talk to me, letting them share about the time. Chris was really thankful for my being there because it allowed him to reset. Um, For the last three months, he's been at the church from five in the morning to midnight, seven days a week, dealing with the refugees. They had had a, um, a staff retreat the week before, and he said, I hope that by your coming, I'll be able to reset the cycle and only go to the church from like nine to five so I can be there with the family. Um, the very first day I was invited to go to an elders meeting um, with Chris. So there are two churches. There's like the, the main church where a lot of the refugees happen at and where some of these pictures are at. Um, it, it was the sending church that planted Alpha Omega and Alpha Omega is the, the church where Chris is an elder. He's one of three elders there. And they had invited me to, um, uh, to just participate in their elder meeting. And so this is, I, while we were in the elder meeting, I was like taking quick snapshots of people without them knowing and texting Chris saying, who's this dude? Who's he? What? Like, so these are the pictures that we have. Okay, next, next slide here. Okay, so this, is, um, this obviously is the, the main church. You can tell by the big sanctuary. It is, uh, so this is Chris right here. This is, in English, you would say Felix, but that's not how he, he says his name. Felix is how he says it. Um, he's an associate pastor at the main church, and he is now like the, the, the teaching pastor most of the time at Alpha Omega. And so that's, that's Felix. And the next slide here. This is uh, Jonah, and, or Jonah, I think is how he says his name. I think that was his name, Jonah. Am I getting it right? Yeah, yeah, he's not it. Yeah. Um, so he's a younger guy. He's, I guess, is a very high, um, like he and his wife are in the music industry in Romania, and I guess they're pretty well known in secular music. And so um, he obviously was doing something. I just, he, he wasn't looking at me, so I took his picture. Um, so that's Jonah. Okay, next slide. And then this is Christy. Christy is a character. Christy is married to a, an American girl who her parents live like an hour and a half north of us. He was very happy because one of the things that I delivered to him was his uh, new cell phone. And so he was like super, super thankful for the delivery of the cell phone. And he's just a super character. Like this guy is like super funny, a really, really neat guy. 
Um, okay, next slide. Okay, this is at the leadership. This is the leadership dinner. This is where I took the selfie of me and Brianna. So this is uh, Amy, I believe was her name. She's the American one, married to Christy, who's over there. Uh, there's Jonah and his wife, something or other. And uh, uh, there's me, he, and Chris. And then back here's Felix and his wife, Juana. Uh, I'll introduce you later to Juana. Juana runs the, she's, I forget her title exactly, um, but she's a, she's a firecracker. She's like a mover and a shaker, and she runs, she's like the office manager or the, the campus manager for all of the refugees. Super dynamic, sp- speaks beautiful English, but she won't speak English to any of the Americans who speak uh, Romanian because she wants to develop their language. Um, and, and it was really neat to see Chris in his context because all of them speak English, but, but they didn't go to English on my account, which I didn't want them to. So it was really neat for me to see Chris and the kids really operate in Romanian. And Chris is fluent in Romanian and uh, just really uh, special people that you can see Kronk down there with the kids. Uh, I told the story. So he ate the pepper and then the, the bathrooms are that way. And so the sink where he was like dying are right behind us. A lot of fun. Uh, next slide. Okay, this is just a Christy, myself, Mihi, Amy, and Rick. Just getting a little picture. Okay, next slide. Trying to. Okay, so now we get to church on Sunday. Uh, so this is what the Alpha Omega Church looks like. Um, they are on the other side of town in a rented space, and it's like a community center sort of thing. Uh, in this picture, Jonah is leading the worship, and it's a time of uh, music happening. Next slide. Uh, this is Chris preaching. He gave the message that day, and Christy was uh, translating for him. Um, I'm not sure why they do that. I think that they have Christy speak. There's, there's different levels of fluency. Uh, so we would all say Chris is fluent, um, but Chris is not necessarily fluent at a, at a heart level to be able to like instantaneously put things into like a heart language at the depth that you need to for a sermon. And so I think that's why Christy uh, translates for him. Um, but it was kind of funny because Chris could hear what Christy's saying. He's like, dude, you're adding to the message. That's more than I was saying. And, and, uh, and so, okay, next slide. Um, uh, Micah and Christy really connected. I don't want to speak on his behalf, but like clearly they, uh, they, they seem like they really bonded. They spent a lot of time with each other. Um, Rick was super disappointed, and uh, Mike is probably really thankful um, because I would have shown the picture. But my, Rick got back. He's like, yeah, man, they spent like five hours on the drive together. Then they got put up in a Ukrainian's house, and, and uh, they had to share a bed. And so Rick said when he went in there in the morning, they were like uh, face-to-face, like right by each other. And I remember seeing Christy, I'm like, I got to teach you an American word. He's like, okay. He's like, what's the word? I'm like, "Um, are you familiar with the word spoon? And he's like, yeah, I know what spoon is. And I'm like, well, if you put in, I turned it into a a gerund where it says spooning, it's what you did with him. And he's like, ah, okay, yeah. He's like, and so after their night together, they they were really connected at the potluck. And uh, so just really, really neat to see that that relationship uh, connect there. Um, next slide. Okay. So UBC 22. If you're friends with Chris on Facebook, you'll see the UBC 22. And what this is, it stands for late at night as the war was breaking out, a coalition of churches in Romania got together and they said, let's call this group Ukrainian Bucharest Churches. He's like, it was really original, but it's what happened at like two in the morning when they all got together to figure out how they could help with the response. And so this section is going to take us to the mother church, and, and, uh, and that's like, like day-to-day, this is where Chris is during the day. This is where the, the it's like the intake center uh, for the refugees. And so here we are, Ukra- Ukrainian Bucharest churches, UBC 22. Next slide, please. This is the front of the building. Uh, there's like two buildings, I think, front and back. It was interesting talking to them. About the refugees, uh, I showed the elder meeting. Um, the, the big talk of the elder meeting was the church, both at Alpha Omega 
and at UBC, at whatever the name of this church is, I just, it's some Baptist church of whatever, um, the, the congregation was split. So half the congregation is super for serving and helping the refugees. The other half felt like they were being neglected in the caring of the refugees. And so that's what the elders were sort of like grappling with and caring for. Um, same thing, and this is a very busy city town where this church is located. They said that, Nate, like, so within the church, there's division on how to handle the refugees. The community also divided. Half the neighbors were super pro helping the refugees. The other half thought they were, like, clogging up their streets and they were ruining their neighborhood and all, like, just to see how humanity responds to, to these different circumstances. Uh, next slide. This is the inside of the sanctuary. Uh, we had the elders meeting down on the stage down there. Uh, the green sides, this is still, while COVID is not a thing in Romania anymore, they still have the, the uh, how they were doing the pews, like every other pew for where you could sit and where you could not sit um, during the service. Okay, next slide. Uh, this, this is, his name is John in English. He has like three different names. If It depends what language you're talking to him in. Um, but John is the senior pastor of this church, really good guy. Um, on Sunday, I had sort of the aha moment of like, or one of the aha moments of why I was there. So after church, we went to a barbecue, and then we had this time in the sanctuary, and they said that after the three months, they were having a time of, of celebration to celebrate what, what God has been doing over the course of the last three months of um, helping the refugees. And so I'm like, oh, it just kind of isn't that an uncanny coincidence that we just happened to be there uh, for this, this celebration. And so he got up and he kind of shared. There's a big group behind us, but I was in the where the English translator was for us to hear what he was saying. Um, and so he shared with us, looking back three months, as the first, uh, as the invasion happened in Ukraine, and they were all getting together. The group of pastors quickly got together uh, in Bucharest trying to figure out what they could do, and they didn't have a whole lot uh, that they could do. And he said that God kind of like spoke to him through the feeding of the 4,000, and, you know, the little boy comes up with the two little fish and the two little crackers, like a lunchable item, and he said, this is what we have, and Jesus says, this is what will work. And so he's like, this whole message was like, when we came here and this all happened, we didn't have much, but this is what we had. And we said, Lord, we're going to use this for you. Um, at the time of his speaking, I think they said they'd had something like two to 3,000 refugees go through. Um, just story after story um, that it just was overwhelming to hear the stories. Uh, we think about refugees in the sense of you're Ukrainian, Russia comes in, you have to flee. For those individuals, there's all sorts of... Um, there's all sorts of uh, resources in place for them, but what you don't think about is you're an individual from a third country in Ukraine studying or doing whatever, and then the war breaks out, and then you have to flee. Then you find yourself in Romania or wherever, but there are not resources in place to, to help you out. Uh, one story that Chris told me about was there was a girl from Sudan or somewhere in Africa, um, her whole village, or like not the whole village, but her family, extended family, neighbors, they had raised money and gone into debt to send her to medical school so that she could go become a doctor and then come back to the town and then basically repay them and care for them as a community. Um, and so her medical school was in Kiev, and now the Kiev, the medical school is gone. And so her whole family's in debt because of her, and she's like, I can't go back. I, like, I can't go back. And so they shared with me about how a lot of the, the workers there, they coordinated with another medical school in Hungary, and they footed the bill to get her to Hungary, and the medical school said, we will finish her training to get her through. Um, just stories like this about how they're having to scramble to help sort of case by case of people going through. Um, and so the theme, just like, this is what we have. And they offered it to the Lord, and so we'll, I'll just kind of take you through some pictures sort of following that theme. The next, the next picture here uh, was our, as you enter, 
into the, the, the sanctuary or the foyer of the building. You find this sign uh, with the QR codes in every different language of the people coming through. And it says, welcome, you are safe here. Um, wherever stuff like this is happening, the, the threat isn't just Russia invading. There's also people, uh, you know, the sex trade industry and people taking advantage of people coming through. And so right away, the churches amongst the government, amongst the, the, the people, um, right away, it had this reputation for safety. They could go there. They would be taken care of. And, and so you're, you're kind of set up right away with what you need to know going in. Okay, next slide. Um, so this looks like a boiler room. And, you, and it, like, it looks like nothing. And the thing that you're not seeing in there on the bottom right, what this is is a makeshift shower that they put in. Next slide. Um, so this is uh, like, like you're right in the middle of everything. Like this isn't like your ideal shower. This is not a shower room. This is a boiler room, and it's right off a hallway you walk by, but they were able to, they realized that the refugees coming in needed a place for hygiene and to clean themselves, and so they were able to order uh, this, this makeshift shower so that they would have a place to clean themselves. Um, next slide. Um, this is a room that they converted. That's um, two different pictures. So on the right here, it's sort of like the whole room is refrigerated, so it was pretty cold. I think it was like 20 degrees Celsius, which I think is like in the 50s or 60s or somewhere in there. It was cold. So this is all of the, the food supplies that they have in there. Within the room, there's a refrigerator, a couple refrigerators um, with the food that they have to feed the refugees coming through. Um, None of this existed beforehand, um, and so they just pieced this together over the last three months. Uh, next slide. Uh, Chris, as he's walking through the hallway, one of the things they ordered were these wall lockers because they quickly realized as they're scrambling to try to figure out how do you care for refugees, one of the things that they realized was a need was to have a place where refugees could place their documents and their things for safekeeping that they didn't have to worry about. So they ordered these wall lockers um, so that they could have a place to lock up their stuff and not be worried about it being stolen. Uh, next slide. Um, on this day, so this is uh, another day, um, they were scrambling to find Bibles in Ukrainian and Russian. And so these are kids' Bibles and adults' Bibles in, in uh, Ukrainian. And so we went to a book wholesaler guy, got us a whole bunch of Bibles, and this is Rick, Chris. Kronk uh, is probably in the van doing the heavy lifting, and, uh, and so we're daisy-chaining the Bibles to get them back into the container. Um, this is kind of the, the property. They've taken out all these van seats um, for the refugees to have a place to sit down, and so we're loading up the Bibles uh, in Ukrainian for, for the Ukrainian people. Okay, next slide. Okay, this guy, another quick, I'm in the church office. These are my feet. He came in, talked to us. I didn't really want to ask his permission for his photo, but this guy, I don't even know, do you, Kronk, do you know his name? Yeah, so this is the cook. So the cook is a fascinating guy. So he came in the office to talk to him. He was a pastor in New York. Um, he retired or stepped down from pastoring. I didn't get the whole story in November he decided to come to Europe, he and his wife, and they were going to serve somewhere in Germany. And then while they were in Germany, the war broke out, and he said that he felt like that he, he did not want to stand before Jesus being that close to the war without having done something to help. And so he'd heard about UBC 22, and so he sent his wife back to the States, and then he came to them, introduced himself to, to them, and he said, listen, before I was in the ministry, I was a professional chef, and I know how to run a kitchen. And they said, well, we can use you because we don't know what we're doing. Like, we're just, like, making bologna sandwiches or whatever. And so he took over. They're like, well, where do you plan on saying? He's like, you know, just let me sleep with the refugees. And he's like, actually, do you have any clothes I can borrow? Because all I have is, like, pastoring clothes, and they're not really great for, like, chef clothes. And, and so they, he's wearing refugee clothes. And this guy is just, I mean, talking with him. was So he's there for like a, six weeks. He's getting it set up so they have three days worth of meals because the refugees are in the main camp for about three days before they get them to go somewhere more uh, permanent. 
And so the staff isn't happy with the three-day rotation of food because they're eating the same stuff every three days, but it's not about the staff. And so he's getting it set up so that they can run it uh, professionally and, and in a healthy manner um, so that he can depart and that they can continue running the kitchen. But this guy was just like, I have no idea what his name is, but, but just in my five-minute encounter with him, a super huge blessing of a guy that just living by like the Lord, you know, Lord, here I am, use me, I want to be used by you, open the door. And, and he, there he was uh, cooking away. Um, next, next slide. Okay, this is Chris's office. So to the other side is the other desk of, of John, the pastor. This is Chris's makeshift um, office where he was, where he's working. Uh, Chris, clearly over the last three months, Chris is very um, administratively wired. Chris is a mover and a shaker. Um, all the things that we've seen so far, it's Chris's connections in the United States between Shadow Mountain, between Liberty University, uh, where you're talking about like big organizations saying, we have $100,000, how do you want to spend it? We have $60,000, how do you want to spend it? And so we were in there just kind of like writing up proposals for like getting money for gas. Like, I mean, they're, they're, it's a, the amount of money. So seeing um, they're, they're not hurting for money, but, but they're, they're having to coordinate it all. Um, and so it's a blessing to see him work. And then that's Juana. She's like the mover and a shaker. I wish like you could see her in video, but she could like crack the whip on everybody. And uh, so she was just really awesome to see how she ran a super tight ship um, through this whole, this is like the, the sort of the heart of the operation. Okay, next slide. Let's come in here. <clears throat> okay, these are refugees. Um, uh, don't even know their story. I didn't talk to them. I didn't engage with them. Um, but being from San Diego, we're used to immigrants. We're used to people passing through. Um, we're used to people coming through who are like from a third world country with nothing, uh, trying to get a better life here. What you see here are people that look like you and me. These are people who had lives, jobs, resources, and somebody invaded their country and, and, and they, they fled with what they had. Um, the policy in Ukraine, from, from what I gathered, Chris, like we don't ask questions about the men. I think that might have been her dad. Um, so men under, I think, 60 are not allowed to leave. However, if your wife has three or more children, the husbands are allowed to leave. If there's less than three children, the husbands have to stay. Um, Chris said he thinks that the reason they think that is they think that a woman that loses her husband with only two kids, her odds of surviving are much higher than a woman who has three or more kids to lose a dad with that many, like more than three children. And so that's why they would give an exception. Uh, I don't know anything about this couple. Um, <clears throat> but just to see, like, the normalness of the people, like this would be like if somebody invaded San Diego and we had to flee to, to Mexico and we were just in Mexico with what, everything you had. So even having resources, you're still away from your family. You're away from everything you know. All of the people want to go back uh, to their home. Uh, Chris did share a story. I said, well, how have things been going with um, the people that you've been engaging with? And he said there's only been one time where he was present when, a, when he was there with a wife that learned that her husband was killed in, the, in combat. And it was like devastating to be with this woman with her children um, through the network of friends to, to learn that her husband was killed. So people are very, very normal. The next slide, uh, heartbreaking. This is a Ukrainian refugee kid. They'd kind of on the side of the building, you know, put some toys there. Again, I did not interact with this little girl. She didn't even know that I took her picture. But to see these little kids, it's like heartbreaking. Um, you know, like this is their home for now. Is this like living at a church? Not sure what the future holds. Uh, next slide. I'm not sure. Okay. So what this is, they shared with me some of the as they're trying to give normalcy to the kids through like not Sunday school classes, but letting them color, letting them play. Um, they shared with me these two pictures that the little kids had drawn. That just seeing what the kids are. Processing. So you have the Ukrainian flag on this one, the Romanian flag 
these two countries together equals Putin in a casket. Um, it's funny, but it's not funny. Like the, the, the eight-year-old is drawing this is significant. You have this, you have the Ukrainian tank, again, Putin in a casket or in his grave. And so like this, these are things that, that kids shouldn't have to process, but they're having to process. And they really are uh, ministering to them as, as best they can with the hope of Christ. And it's just meaningful. But clearly these two pictures uh, were circulating amongst the staff and they'd share with me that it was very heartbreaking for the staff that as they are trying to care for the kids that drew these pictures, they're also having to process the trauma of seeing the kids draw this sort of stuff. Okay, next slide. Um, this guy was awesome. His name is Stefan. Stefan. He's like a famous hairdresser or something. That's not why I care about him. He's one of four people that knows how to operate the espresso machine. So his, <laughs> his, his ministry of service is like he would break from his shop, and then if he was there, he would make uh, you know espressos and stuff for people. And so when like you'd be there and you'd see a coffee cup, you're like, wait, is Stefan here? And he's like, yeah, he's here. I'm like, oh, I'm out of here. I'll get down there and. And uh, so this guy was using his gifts of caring for everybody by operating that espresso machine that nobody else was allowed to touch. And so this guy really was serving Jesus well. Okay, next slide. Okay, this is the Sunday in between. This is the big celebration, uh, not a potluck, but where they provided a big meal to celebrate all that God had been doing uh, through the refugees there. Okay, next slide. I think we're kind of running out of time here. Um, I think I'm getting towards the end. Okay, so this is one, the day uh, they had just gone back, the caravan to Ukraine. They had discovered the church that they'd been working with uh, early in the war. They, they had a bunch of supplies, and they just sort of went blindly across the border. And they could tell that some of the churches there were, you know, post-communism were still sort of run and organized by the government and were probably more shady than gospel-oriented. Um, and they found this one pastor... And they said, we have all of these supplies. We can see that you have a need. We would like to give this stuff to you. And then that pastor said, I know I look like I'm in need, but I know of other people that, that are in way more desperate need than I am. Let me take you to them. And so they said at that moment, they knew they had a guy that they could partner with. And, and so they, um, this last trip, that pastor gave them a Ukrainian flag, asked them to bring a Romanian flag back when they came to show their partnership uh, between the two churches. And so he was showing the, the church the, the flag that the guy had given. Uh, next slide. Okay, the Ukrainian excursion. Next slide. What's coming here? Okay, so on back of all the cars that are on the convoy, you have the Ukrainian flag, you have the Romanian flag, you see the UBC 22, it identifies them. There's a bunch of paperwork. It shows them as like a, a humanitarian convoy. It was a five-hour drive. You had to cross a river and then go in there. Uh, next slide. I showed this because this was my hardest day. Um, I woke up. I'd been kind of behind Kronk's back texting his parents, like pictures of like, hey, things are going good. This is what's happening. And then when they left for Ukraine, I just kind of went silent for a little bit because I didn't really want to lie. And... And in the morning, his dad texted me and said, hey, how's everything going? And I was like, oh. I took a screenshot because I was tracking where Micah was. So I'm the little blue dot. Over in Ukraine is where Micah was. His parents didn't know. And so I sent a picture of Micah flaying some chicken breast and saying, hey, everything's going really good over here. Keep us in your prayers. And uh, then I confessed everything as soon as Micah told me that his mom knew when he was back safely. Uh, next slide. Uh, this is either coming or going from the border. I think this is getting back into Romania. Um, next slide. This is the river they had to cross between the two nations. Uh, next slide. Uh, this is a group of the team. You have Micah over here. You have, where's Rick? Rick is a little bit harder to find. He's in there. Oh, I think that's him right there. Uh, so but this is the, the team of people in the caravan going across. Uh, next slide. Uh, then this was Rick. Uh, he's not here to speak for himself, but that night when he came back, um, he came in the room and I said, well, how was it? And he's like, this is, this is the most significant thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Next to meeting my wife. He threw that in like the last like minute. <laughs> but um, so I'm, 
you know, he wasn't here to, sh- to share today. Uh, next slide. Um, this was sort of my cue. Um, so this is Christy. They're staying in a Ukrainian's house. There's Micah and there's Rick. Micah, do you want to come up and say anything? Yeah, yeah, here he goes. Perfect. Meet Kronk. Here, grab a microphone because you want to This is the... So I met him like two weeks ago. So, this was the um, this was after we had showed up in Ukraine. This is the first night or the first night we had spent. This was the house of the people that um, the uh, Ukrainians that we were staying with. They had made a fast bread for us. I tried to eat as much as I could. I couldn't finish everything. But so in the middle of in the middle of um, us eating, he was just sitting there watching us. They weren't eating anything. They were just they were kind of serving us because we were serving them. So they made us a big spread, and then the old man is looking at Rick. And he's like, Rick, come back with me. Come check something out. So Rick goes out with him, and they go to the back, a back room. I kind of I'm behind the property, behind the house a little bit. It's on a different part of the property. And um, he had showed Rick this fish farm that he had made, and he was using it to feed his um, his family. I don't know exactly what he what he was using it for, but it was really cool. He had this big old setup because it kind of just looked like it was. A, I mean, it wasn't a big house. It was a small, pretty um, simple layout, just rooms to live in. Um, there were goats all around, chickens all around. So that's kind of what that's what's supposed to be going on here. This is right after I woke up next to Christy right there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Is that it? Yeah, that's okay. it right now. Right on. But I can stay up here if you no, want. No, no, you can go down. You're gonna okay. this is this this concludes the slideshow. This is uh he is working on a video. He was like recording us. Can we get the lights on? I don't know if Joshua is still back there. Is it um um I know he's working on a couple of videos. He like was videoing and recording the sound the whole time, and so I think a couple of videos will will come. Um, th- there really is. It's like more to process um, when you do something like this. It was a whirlwind trip, but then so like, what do we do with this? And just like, what do I want to convey? Um, I remember early in my time in the SEAL teams, I had just checked into the team and I met a, an individual. And he, his aim was always to like keep the young guys humble and in a, in a good way, not in a bad way. And I remember he looked at us, this, this batch of new guys that I was with, and he said, you know what? None of you are special. Like He's like, none of us are special. He's like, we're a part of a very special organization that has done things, but individually we are just we are just Joe's serving and you're not special, so don't get too arrogant. And I in going and seeing overseas, it, it's a reminder to me that like like we're a part of something so much bigger. Like we don't have a, a new fancy bright building, you know. Like we don't have people requesting to like use our facilities for marriages and that sort of stuff. Like, but we're a part of something that's so much bigger that God is doing, like worldwide uh, amongst the nations. And we have an opportunity to partner with them. And so I do think that this, like over the last two years of of COVID. Um, for me personally, like there's been a lot of like, we need to focus on caring and shepherding the body and going through what we're going through. But now we're kind of through that and it's like time to sort of like open our eyes again and to think more like outwardly, um, like locally to our community to become serving. Like we have alternatives, there's opportunities to serve down there. Daniel's been heading up Camp Julian Oaks uh, for all these years. Like I've not participated with Camp Julian Oaks for a variety of reasons, but this year, like, I feel like God's saying, no, Gunner, it's time for you to, like, participate and go, so I'm going to be, like, a camp counselor, so pray for me whenever that happens. Um, Like, we have summer nights coming up. There's just all sorts of ways that you, like, can serve the Lord and to get involved and and to to begin to just say, like, Lord, here I am. Use me. Um, If I learned anything about the trip to Romania, it's super easy to get around the world. Like, if you don't wait until two days beforehand, you can, you can get a ticket to Romania for, like, 600 bucks. Um, they would be, they're open to having us. They want us to come. And so if it's you wanting to go to Romania, you could literally go to Romania, spend a couple weeks there, and serve the refugees. Like, you could help them in the kitchen. You could clean. You could do whatever. Um, 
it's super easy to go. I know Glenn wants to go wherever he is. Like he's like Glenn's like I w- want to go. I think there's other people who w- want and desire to go. And so my my prayer for us as a church that we would be a going church and that we would care about being used by God not just here but globally. That you would be praying for the missionaries that we're connected with. That you would befriend them on Facebook, send them notes, send them an email. In today's world, you can text somebody that's all the way around the world with, without there being a charge. You just say, hey, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. There are ways that you can connect and to participate globally. Okay, we're way over time. I'll pray. There's donuts out there waiting for everybody. Uh, let's pray. Father, we do thank you again for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you provided, uh, how you've prompted to, uh, to go check in on the guest family. I thank you for the things that you... Uh, showed me personally and and for how you used us to encourage the guest family. Father, I do pray uh, that you would help us as a church, uh, Lord, to keep you at the center of our hearts, that we would be sensitive to your spirit and his leading. And Lord, if there are things that you are calling and challenging us to do, um, that we would be obedient and that we would go and do whatever it is that you are asking us to do, whether it's here in Valley Center, or it's on the other side of the planet. Uh, we just thank you, God, for your, your faithfulness to us. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen.